The Holy Gospel, according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us, then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or no? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ, and let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Identity is one of the biggest sources of, of pride in, in our country. We have people, you know, whether it's your favorite sports team or, or your, your high school, your community, uh, uh, whatever it might be. I, I see flags flying all over our, our area from different countries as people are proud of their Norwegian or, or German heritage. But it's also a source of strife. We can see it in our world today between uh, this gender or that gender, skin color, ethnicity. People want to belong. They want to have their story, and they want to hold to that story very tightly, but then what happens is that becomes a story we hold to to the exclusion of, of others. A couple of years ago, my wife and I, we, we got the, the spit test thing from Ancestry.com, you know what I mean? did the spit test and sent it back to find out our, our DNA, you know, you know who, what our heritage is. Surprise, surprise, my wife's mostly German because she was born there. Uh, but uh, mine keeps getting updated because my DNA hasn't changed, but, but their science has. And what started out as 3% Swedish now is 28% Swedish. So I, I, I'm, I'm holding to that. I, I think that's awesome. Makes me feel special. Uh, a connection to history, understanding my great-great-grandparents came over here on the boat. And I think there is this big American desire for that, especially for those of us who are white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, this melting pot, this mishmash, where we really don't have that thing to hold on to, so we try and find it in something, anywhere, in anything. And that's basically the beginning of the sin for us and finding ourselves in so many other things rather than the God who made us and bought us. And this is actually the, the hidden issue that we don't tend to see here in our text this morning. The, the enemies of Christ have gathered together. We, we know about the Pharisees, the, the fundamentalists, Orthodox. They were actually mostly very good people, but they held very closely to what the law says. And then we have the Herodians, who uh, they weren't a religious group at all. They were a political group. They supported Herod as, as the king. And they come to try and trap Jesus, it says. The, the word there is for like a snare that you would hide to, to trap a, a bunny or, or a bird. 
They're trying to sneak up on him. The, the Herodians were, were very connected to Rome because it was Rome who made sure that Herod was in power. Uh, and they had a political desire to stop rebellion or a political desire to allow it to start so that then they could have a show of force to knock it down, to show that they have, have power. And so they come and they ask, tell us then what you think, Jesus. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or no? And they put him in a catch-22, because if he says, no, it's not lawful, it's not appropriate, it's not, it, it's not something you should do according to the Jewish tradition, the Jewish law, they could trap him as a rebel against Rome, have him arrested, have him killed. If he says, yes, it's a rebellion against Israel. Because everyone would hold him as, those that held him as the Messiah, they, they also held him as a zealot. They would hold him as, as this type of Messiah who is there to, to overthrow Rome. And if he says, no, it's okay to pay tax to Caesar, that wouldn't go well either. You see, they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, whose side are you on, Jesus? What kind of Jesus are you? Are you the political Jesus that we're, we're looking for? Because we want Jesus to take sides, don't we? We want him to have his opinion, and more often than not, we want him to have our opinion. That is what they want. Anne Lamott, the writer, has a wonderful quote that stuck with me forever. You can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the people you do. I love that, uh, that quote because... It gives some, some flesh and bone to this worry that the Herodians and the Pharisees have. They, they want to know what kind of Jesus this is. And they want him on their side, or they want to make sure he's the one they need to fight against. As though we're asking Jesus, Jesus, are you red? As in Republican, or are you blue? Are you green? Are you white? Are you black? Are you brown? Jesus, we need to know. Casting Christ in our own image is the first step in removing Jesus from the Christ that we need. But the Herodians get, get a couple of things right, and they, they ask the right question. They, they come with their flattery. We know that you're sincere. We know that you're, that you're honest, that you're truthful, that, that you tell it like it is. And even though they're flattering him, they're telling the truth. He's going to tell it like it is. He's going to speak Truth, that is what we are supposed to have as his word for us to believe in, that, that he says something and he, we, we trust that what he says to us is true. And they say, we know that you teach the way of God truthfully, which he was, pointing to God at all times. The kingdom of God is like, he said so often. And they say, you show deference to no one. The, the, the Greek would say... No one is of concern to you, meaning that you're not swayed by others. He's not going to be carried along with the crowd. He's not a crowd pleaser, which is good. Because then we know that when the crowd turns against us, that doesn't necessarily mean Jesus is part of it. And they say, you do not regard people with partiality. The Greek would say, you don't look toward the face of men. In other words, I'm not afraid of what people might think. He's not going to change his opinion based on the crowd that he is with, which is good because others might say things about us and we need Christ to speak for us. 
And then they ask him, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it right to pay this, this poll tax? This, this wasn't income tax. This wasn't property tax. This wasn't uh, uh, another levy to help build a, another school. This was a census tax. This was a tax that Rome was placing upon everyone that they ruled because you existed. A head tax. The Roman Empire coming to you and saying, well, you're Roman now. Pay us. And so what these Herodians and the Pharisees are asking is they're truly coming to Jesus and saying, are we Roman now? Are we not God's chosen people anymore? Are we not people of the promise? Who are we, Jesus? Because they're being struck by this imposed identity. They're they're having this this conviction in their souls of, of are we the people that we thought we were are we now someone else? And it's interesting, he asks for the coin, and that coin would have the image of the emperor on it, and then on the reverse where it would have this inscription. This inscription, more often than not, would talk about the emperor as, as divine. And so using that coin and having to pay tax with it, you're almost saying, no, the emperor is God now. Well, Luther would tell us that we're supposed to listen to hear the sinner crying. And that is what's happening here. These men have come to Christ and they're wanting to know what is our identity, Jesus? And now Christ is speaking to us, speaking to you, speaking to me. Not talking about taxes, but something else. He says, let Caesar be Caesar. Let God be God and we'll see what happens. And in fact, Christ fulfills their flattery. He he doesn't care about what other people think of you. He actually frees you. He frees the taxpayer to pay without worry that now they're saying, okay, I guess I'm Roman and I don't belong to God anymore. Free to pay without consequence. Saying that to whom you pay your taxes, to whom you give deference here on earth, does not define you before God. That that coin doesn't define you. And not paying doesn't define you. Taxes go to whom they go. God doesn't need them to, to redeem or care for you. He does it without your payment. I think of Psalm 50 where, where God is speaking in that prayer saying, I didn't ask for sacrifice. The, 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 cattle's on, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, God says. But then what he says is, he asks, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Would Caesar do that? No. No. And that is good. That is good because it's left in the hands of God. This God in Christ not being swayed by others. He's not going to be the Jesus that someone else tells you that you need. He's not going to be the Jesus that, that, that fits into whatever the crowd wants. He's going to be the Jesus that he's going to be for you. The one that frees you from Caesar, frees you from worry, frees you from seeking an identity anywhere else but in him. The Jesus who comes to me and nullifies all the other Jesuses that I've created for myself. And he becomes the one 
who gives to God the things that are God's for me. I think of Peter's confession that we heard so many weeks ago, where Jesus asks, well, what do people say about me? Who do they say I am? And they, they give all these different answers, and then he finally asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter's the one to say, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then here, now in this interaction, Christ is wanting to say to us, that's still true. Martin Franzman, in his commentary on Matthew, writes this about this passage. God looms large before Jesus' eyes. He has come to Jerusalem to die in order that he might render to God the things that are God's, that he might fulfill all righteousness, fulfill the scriptures which are his Father's word, drink the cup which his Father will give him to drink, and thus make God's cause and his forgiving grace prevail. They are concerned about the privilege of sons, And they, being the Herodians, ask, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus is concerned about a son's duty and says, render to God the things that are God's, giving to God you. So I leave you with the text that I've left with you many times. Colossians 3.3 For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. For that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.